0: Welcome to the Faith to You podcast. I'm Pastor Caleb Schrader. You know, most physicians today take an oath before they begin to practice medicine. It's known as the Hippocratic Oath, and it's based on an ancient Greek doctor named Hippocrates. Now, we're not sure if he actually wrote it or not. It's attributed to him, and there's a lot of modern translations of it. But the essential gist of it is that the knowledge of medicine is meant to be shared with other people, and it's meant to be used for the good of others, for the health of others. A doctor who's taking the Hippocratic Oath is swearing that he's going to use what he's learned for helping the sick, the hurting. Part of it, in the modern version, this was written in 1964, says, "...I will apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required." avoiding those twin traps of overtreatment and therapeutic nihilism. Now, think about what that's saying. A a doctor is saying that they're going to apply for the benefit of the sick all measures that are required. Do you know Jesus said this is how he viewed his responsibility to preach the gospel he says this in Luke 5.31, Jesus replied to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus explains the gospel is God's spiritual cure for sickness, for sin. You know, in the world, as sinners are struggling as slaves of the wicked one, they're on a pathway that leads to death. They have a terminal illness, and the penalty for it is eternal. I want you to think about this for a second. What, what would you say if the entire world was struck suddenly with a terminal illness, and I discovered the cure for that terminal illness, but refused to share it with anyone? You know, if you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ, you've received the cure for a terminal illness, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. If you receive that gift, you, you have an obligation, just like a doctor who takes the Hippocratic Oath, to share that with other people who are sick and who are dying, now, what I want to talk about today is, is how do we do that? You know, I've been challenging you a lot lately to be sharing the gospel, to be shining a light into your corner of the world, but but how? Maybe you're overwhelmed with that. How do I tell the people around me the gospel? You know, first, it doesn't need to be complicated. If you memorize scripture, you can share scripture. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you've memorized John 3.16, you can share it with someone. And then tell them what it means. Uh, Let me go through, though, step by step, a process that you can use for sharing the gospel. You know, I found in my life when I share the gospel, especially with a stranger, the hardest part for me is getting the conversation started. So, I just gave you an example of something you could do to get the conversation started. What am I talking about? Start with that illustration I just now gave you. Go to a friend and say to them, what would you say to someone who'd found a cure for a terminal illness that had infected the entire world? What would you say if they refused to share that cure with other people? Listen to what they say. They'll probably say that person is a jerk, that's horrible, they should share that, and say, yeah, you know, you're right, I have news. I believe that everyone in the world is a sinner, and the wages of that sin is death. But there's a solution. There's a cure. And I believe, just like if a doctor discovered a cure to a terminal illness, I have an obligation to share that cure that has been revealed to me with other people. Start there. And what it does is it gets the person invested in the conversation before you tell them anything. So uh, a person is going to be morally indignant to somebody who would keep back that message. And, And if they can understand the allegory, they'll get that where you're coming from is a heart of concern and care for your fellow man. Now, let's talk about, for a minute, just essentials. When you present the gospel, it's important to understand that you're presenting the gospel to a person. You want to get to know them. You want to have a conversation. And so it's dangerous to sort of memorize a formed response, something you're just going to say every single time. It's not as effective to do that. So you need to figure out where where the person is at. You need to discuss things with them. But in that conversation, there needs to be essentials, the first thing that they need to understand in your presentation of the gospel is that there is a creator and sustainer of all life. There is a creator and sustainer of all life. You know, when Paul was sharing the gospel in Athens, this is where he began his gospel presentation. You see it in Acts 17, 24. He says this, The God who made the world and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in shrines made by hands, neither is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. So, Everything came from something, and that something must be eternal. And if it's eternal, it must be supernatural. You can start there with your gospel presentation. It's important for them to understand not just that God is the creator, but that he's the sustainer. Why is that important? Well, because God doesn't need people to join his team for him to be effective. You're not going out and trying to rally people to join your side because you need them. See, God's not calling people to join him because he needs them. God has made salvation available to them because they need him. And that's why it's important that you explain to people that God is a sustainer. God doesn't need them. They need him. So, so you start there. And the next place that you need to go is the reality of sin. You need the person to be confronted with the reality that they have sin, that they have fallen short. And, and to explain this to people, usually I'll ask the question, "Do you think of yourself as a good person? And this shows me where they're where they're coming from. Just a couple of weeks ago, I asked somebody this, and they said, no. Which surprised me. Usually people say yes. Uh, I'd say probably 90% of the time people say yes. And with a person who said no, I said, well, why are you not a good person? But if a person said yes, I'd say, well, why are you a good person? And if they ask, if they, they usually say, you know, I do good things, I take care of my family, I'm a faithful husband, or I'm a good mom, they'll give me, they'll give me good works that they do. And so then I'll challenge them usually with the law. See, the law is given to us as a tutor to bring us to Christ. I'll ask them if they've ever taken anything that's not theirs. Most people have done that. And they'll, then I'll ask them if they've taken something, what does it make them? makes them a thief. Have they ever told something that wasn't true? If they've done that, it makes them a liar. I'll tell them that, that Jesus explained if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And I'll say, have you ever looked with lust? According to Jesus, his standard, that, that makes you an adulterer. So based on those standards, do you think of yourself as a good person? And and usually they'll respond, well, based on those standards, no, unless they're really combative. They'll usually admit, yeah, based on those standards, I'm not a good person. Once I have them there, once I have them at the place where they'll admit that, then they're ready, then they're primed to hear the good news. Why? Because Jesus came for the sick. He came for sinners. And people who are self-righteous are not ready to receive the gospel. Now, sometimes if a person is self-righteous and they won't admit that, just to get to the gospel, sometimes I'll say, okay, well, can I share with you what I believe that people need because they have sinned, because they have fallen short? And sometimes they'll say yes, sometimes they'll say no, and I don't want to force the gospel on them. We want to have a civil conversation And so at that point, I share with them that Jesus died in our place, that Jesus came and he lived a perfect, sinless life. And because of that, because he was eternal and sinlessly perfect, he was able to step in and pay for the consequence of my sin. The wages of my sin is death. And Jesus came and he stepped in and he paid for that. As sometimes I'll describe this using a courtroom and somebody being found to be guilty and then the son stepping in front and the judge putting the condemnation on the son in the place of the convict. Once I explained that Jesus died in our place, I always move to resurrection. It's so important not just to talk about death, that's not the full gospel, but then he rose from the dead. And why is that important? So that he could give us new life. You see, he not only pays the penalty for our sin, but he fills us with his spirit so we can live a new life with him. And so I begin by explaining God is creator and sustainer. All people have sinned. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died in our place so that, and he rose from the dead so that we could have new life. Now, usually at this point, I don't want to try to force the person to make a decision right there, but I'll, but I'll ask them what they think about that. And when you ask them what they think about it, you can tell sometimes if the Spirit's working, if they're sensitive, if they're responsive. And, and if they, they say, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to be saved? So important you have Romans 10, 9, and 10 memorized. If you don't memorize it, then remember the reference and look it up on your Bible, on your phone on your Bible. Romans 10:9 and 10 explains this. It says if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with a heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. So if they're there, if they're ready and they're asking, what do I need to do to be saved? Once you present that gospel message, then you share this passage with them. If they don't, if they're not curious, you can still share it with them. You say, you know, when you're ready, when you, when you find that you believe this message or you're at a point in your life where you want to find that new life that I'm talking about, let me share with you what you need to do. And you share with them Romans 10, 9, and 10, and explain to them what it means to confess Jesus as Lord. What that means is that you're stepping out of the driver's seat of your life, and you're saying, Jesus, you're in charge. And believing in your heart that God raised him from the dead, believing in your heart doesn't mean that you recognize it as a fact of history, but it means that you're basing your life on it. Belief is abject dependence. So you explain to them what that means. Believe in your heart that God raised from the dead. I'm going to depend on his resurrection for my life. If that person is ready, they can respond to it. But here's something that's so important. It's so important to have a way to get God's word in their hand. Now, I like to carry around just little pocket New Testaments. You can get these as a friend of the Gideon and give that to them. You can show them how to download the Bible app on their phone so they have the Bible there. But then challenge them to read Scripture. I usually challenge people to start with the Gospel of John. Read through the Gospel of John. Get to know this man. Get to know Jesus Christ. And I try to leave them with contact information so they can ask me questions if they have follow-up questions. So when you're presenting the gospel, it's not important necessarily to convince the person to argue them into the kingdom. That never works. What they need to know is that you care about them. So start with some sort of explanation for why you want to share with them. I want to share with you because I have the cure for what ails you. And then go on and explain God is the creator and sustainer. God doesn't need us, but we need him. And we have all fallen short. All have sinned. The wages of sin is death. But Jesus came and his death on the cross pays for the sins of everyone who will confess him as Lord. And if we confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that God's raised from the dead, we'll be saved. If you can walk through that with people, what's happening is you're proclaiming the gospel. This is what Christ's people do every single day all over the globe. It's how his church grows. It's why we're still breathing. Because we have a mission. You have been commissioned by him to go out in all the world and preach the gospel. And so I challenge you today, share the gospel with someone, a friend, a family member, a coworker, a colleague, a neighbor, a stranger, the checker at the store, the waitress at the restaurant, the barista at the coffee shop, somebody. Tell them the good news. They're dying to hear it. Thanks for listening today. God bless.